Hi, everyone. This is Alicia Halliday, and this is ASF Weekly Science Podcast. This week, we discuss the issue of genetic testing. Why, who, and to what end? There have been studies using a variety of methods that have shown that genetic testing identifies what is known as quote-unquote pathogenic variants or genetic mutations that are thought to be a primary cause of ASD in somewhere around 3 to 12% of people with ASD or ID or NDD. That's intellectual disability or neurodevelopmental disability. I'll get to more of that later. This means that if you tested 100 people with autism or neurodevelopmental disorders, let's say 10 of them would show a specific genetic mutation that's related to their diagnosis. So what's the point if it's only 10 out of 100? In this podcast, I want to try at least make a case for those 10 people. In 2010, a group of very smart and very influential geneticists, doctors, policymakers, and clinicians formed a consortium and wrote an opinion paper that said that a technology called chromosomal microarray, or CMA, is recommended as the first-tier diagnostic test for what they termed unexplained developmental disorders. Well, it's all unexplained until you find an explanation for it. So basically what they were saying is that this chromosomal microarray should be done on everyone. The technology was state-of-the-art at the time, but honestly, it only picks up relatively large changes in genetic material on the chromosome, like larger deletions or insertions. It's not as high resolution as whole genome sequencing, which looks across the entire genome at every base pair sequence. But even 10 years later, scientists are still trying to understand the meaning of some of the mutations found on the whole genome sequencing, meaning it may not be ready for prime time. That's not a criticism of whole genome sequencing, but 10 years ago, it was too far-fetched and too expensive to be considered first tier. Chromosomal microarray, which wasn't as high resolution, but certainly picked up major mutations, was first tier. The consensus statement said that across 33 studies, this chromosomal microarray found pathogenic mutations in 12% of people with neurodevelopmental disorders, including but not limited to ASD. Recently, a study in the journal Pediatrics, which has been getting a lot of attention, showed a similar 12% rate of the presence of pathogenic variants detected through chromosomal microarray. This time it was done in just kids with autism. Now, this is higher than the original studies that showed a 3 to 7% pathogenic rate. Why the difference? In the recent pediatric study, it was done out of a few hospitals, and they looked at relatively young kids, 18 to 24 months of age. The kids were likely to show strong features of ASD to be referred to a clinic that early. Some studies have suggested that the type of autism that has a known genetic disease associated with it also has high rates of intellectual disability, differences in the shape of the face, and higher levels of delayed or absent developmental milestones, including motor delays. Those things may be related to a rare genetic mutation. Those things may also be obvious to parents and pediatricians, and those features may push a referral to a genetic counselor faster. And feedback from the families has supported this. Kids are usually evaluated behaviorally first, Given a diagnosis of, say, ASD or intellectual disability or neurodevelopmental disorder, 
and then given a genetic test. So first comes the autism, then comes the genetic diagnosis. In those 12% in the recent pediatric study, almost 70% had pathogenic mutations that shed some light on the causes of the autism, and that led to medical referrals or interventions. My argument for genetic testing would be that just knowing that you or your child have a genetic mutation does put you on a path for more targeted interventions and development of focused therapeutics to help with everything from the delay itself to medical comorbidities like epilepsy and GI issues. Also, there are almost 100 patient advocacy groups that provide support, awareness, and funding for focused research into specific genetic mutations. Families find these networks incredibly helpful in an action-oriented way, not just let me give you a big hug kind of way, but both are important. But on the other hand, I'm also aware of the other huge percent that are not given a result showing some sort of a pathogenic or explanatory variant in a large portion of the genome. That may be where whole genome sequencing comes in in the future, that this technology may help find genetic variants that don't involve larger chunks of the genome. Whole genome sequencing studies and things like the Autism Sequencing Consortium and SPARC have revealed additional genetic mutations that would not have been identified earlier on new genes that were not previously associated with ASD. But even in those cases, we're still talking about a small percentage of people with ASD. Now, genetic testing is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna find, which means it's useful for all, but it doesn't explain everything. You know my feeling on the importance of studying gene-environment interactions. If you don't, I'm going to say it again. This area is completely understudied, and the role of gene-environment interactions are underestimated and probably contribute to a majority of causes of ASD. Scientists are doing research on the genetics, and it should be stated that even these known genetic pathogenic variants are susceptible to environmental influence, so it's not a one versus the other. Digging deeper on the genetics means that at some point, we can then focus on the interaction with the environment. However, I'm getting impatient on that, and I think it should go faster, but stay tuned. Now, what is an autism-specific gene? Years and years ago, scientists were searching for the one autism gene. When you look back on that, it seems kind of funny. I mean, now we know that there are hundreds of autism genes. But are they specific for autism spectrum disorder or part of a larger set of genes that affect the way neurons grow, connect, and how the brain is shaped during development? And do these things lead to not only autism spectrum disorder, but intellectual disability and neurodevelopmental disorders? Hint, hint, a large group of scientists say the latter. In a recent commentary in the American Journal of Human Genetics, authors point out that previous studies that look at autism-specific genes have not always been able to ascertain the intellectual function in individuals who participated in those studies. And that in those with severe intellectual disability, getting a number on their IQ can be incredibly difficult. And autism may overlap with other neurodevelopmental disorders anyway. For those genetic variants that are de novo, which means not seen in either parent, but in the person with the diagnosis, it does seem that the mutations in those with autism and rare genetic diseases confer more risk for autism and intellectual disability rather than just autism. And there may be a genetic profile for those with autism and high IQ or those with autism and no medical comorbidities, 
but they're distinct. However, right now, there is not enough evidence to say that there is an autism-specific gene or genes, and that in their opinion, genetic testing for autism rather than for neurodevelopmental disorders is too early. I say it's their opinion because I'm not nearly as smart or qualified or knowledgeable in this area to comment. However, they are not calling for stopping of genetic testing in cases of suspected neurodevelopmental disorders or even genetic testing of everyone in autism. Just that we should keep an open mind that genes are not specific to autism. They may include autism spectrum disorder, but there's a lot of overlap with neurodevelopmental disorder and intellectual disability. Fair enough. So should autism be considered distinct from other neurodevelopmental disorders? Will this improve service delivery, understanding of a diagnosis? Maybe, but they argue that this data does not show that there are genes that are exclusively involved in ASD, but not other neurodevelopmental disorders. Scientists need better measurement of intellectual disability or even measurement of developed milestones for everyone who gets genetically tested. And they need to consider common variants, which are those mutations which are found in more than, say, 5% of the people. They're found all over the genome. We all have some of them to some degree. To some people, like in autism, they aggregate and cause a diagnosis. They may be found in parents, just not to the same degree. Rare and common genetic variants are associated with autism and often together. So at the end of the day, is genetic testing worth it? For that 10 or so that end up with a clear outcome, yes. But for the other 90 out of 100, was it worth it? That's a good question, but not for me, for you and your doctor, Understanding what the symptoms in the child or the person under a doctor's care are, your medical concerns, and of course, insurance coverage. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.